episode 163 of Board Game Blitz, a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to wait in line for the hottest new game at Gen Con. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about Gen Con. First, we discuss a couple games we played recently, Masterword, Voices in My Head, and Cat in the Box. Then, a special guest joins us to share some hot takes fresh from Gen Con. And now, here are your hosts, Andy, Crystal, and special guest, Nick. Before we start the main episode, I have an announcement. For the last time, I have a pre-recorded announcement. So, Yay! I like the pre-recorded announcements. Don't <laughs> yeah. make it be the last one. We should have the well, babies announce something at the beginning of every episode. Well, it'll be the last one for a while, I think. Okay. But, but here it is. Back point. Back point? What? You mean on Kickstarter, right? Yes, on Kickstarter. <laughs> when does the Kickstarter end? Tuesday is Tuesday. Yeah. Do you have a favorite game in, in board game day? Cora Quest. And Quirky Circuits? Quirky Circuits. Oh my god. There's no Go Away Monster. We do have that one. We don't have that one yet. There's no 18xx. And don't worry, the 18xx is going to be in the actual book, okay? When we get the real book. Oh my god! He was, he was like, there's no 18xx! You're training them young, Ambie. I like it. They're, they're, they're going to literally, as soon as they're old enough, they're going to be like, Mom, can we play 18xx yet? They, like, they ask that. Like, I, I let them play with the tiles now. Because we have the 18xx like right next to the kids' games, and so they, they like playing it. That's for the sequel book, right? <laughs> the sequel book, yeah. 18xx I mean, day. <laughs> you've, Ambie, you have talked over the years about writing uh, or designing a board game like my first 18xx. Yeah, it yeah, really think... feels like the time is coming and that should maybe be your second Kickstarter at some point. I feel like I should have done that before because now it's kind of like... I don't have time to design a game. <laughs> you know, taking care of twins, that's easy. Yeah, just you can just throw game design in the mix. It'll be fine. <laughs> but yes, if you didn't catch what my kids said there, Board Game Day is on Kickstarter now. That's the book that I wrote. It's a children's board book about board games. And it's, the last day on Kickstarter is Tuesday, August 16th. So go check it out before it ends. Yay! Yay! One other announcement before we head into recently played, and that is I just wanted to give a huge thank you to all of you who supported and joined in for our GenCant streams this past weekend. If you all are not familiar with GenCant, it is the unconvention that happens online at the same time as GenCon. Suzanne Sheldon started this unconvention a long time ago and has been running it of her own free will. This is not like a thing that anybody gets paid to do. She just loves the community that much. 
and we are incredibly grateful to her for all of her support as well as the community who joined in on all of our play along streams we played a whole bunch of different roll and write games we did jackbox games and we did more roll and write games and we had some fierce competition playing welcome to and cartographers on saturday night so that was a really really fun time thank you to everyone who joined in for that make sure you are following us on twitch if you aren't already because we do streams like that all the time and you're gonna want to make sure you don't miss the next one Recently, I played a new game called Master Word. Well, new to me game. Master Word is a word party cooperative game. So we talked about our top five word party games recently, and this was not on the list or on my short list because I hadn't played it yet. But I played it soon after that episode, and I think it still wouldn't quite make the list because I like the other games better, but I still like Master Word. So Master Word is a 2020 game designed by Gerald Catiao and published by Scorpion Mask. In Master Word, you're trying to guess a word. It's kind of like a mix between a word game and Mastermind, the classic deduction game slash puzzle. But Master Word is cooperative. One person knows what the word is and they tell everyone the category of the word. So there's a bunch of word cards with categories. And so you go through them in order because they get from easy to hard, I guess. But we've played like 10 of them or something. (laughs) So everyone knows the category. So for example, like the word could be dog in the categories animal. This wasn't one of the ones we did. This is an example. So then the, the guide knows the word dog and everyone knows the category. Each round, each person writes down one clue that's trying to guide them towards the word. Like they could write a mammal or like has four legs or something. And then they put it down and then the guide says how many of those cards point to the word. So how many of the clues point to the word, but not which ones. So you have to come up with clues that will guide you towards the word, but then not be ambiguous. Because if you put like amphibious and then land-based animal and then flying or something, and then they say one of them's right, you don't know which one it is because it's like one of the three. But you, you, so you want some overlap in your clues and it's kind of hard to actually guide people towards the word. So I, I thought it was pretty hard coming up with clues to guess the word, and but it's really rewarding when you actually can guess the word. <laughs> Because it's like, ooh, ooh that, now we kind of get how to do it. It's like, okay, we say like mammal and then has four legs. And then if they say like two, then it's like, okay, it's probably mammal and four legs or something and not this other one that was unrelated. The reason I don't like it as much as other party games, I think, is because I didn't like being the guide as much. The guide is more interesting than being like the person in Mastermind who just does the answers because you don't have to tell the objective truth. You're just trying to give the clues so that people will be guided towards the word so even if something is true you don't necessarily have to say it's true because like they could be thinking something else so that's kind of more interesting like deciding which ones to say yes to it's kind of like in where words i think it reminds me of that so where words is like a 20 questions party game where one person is saying yes or no but sometimes like the questions are all (laughs) get a little ambiguous and so the person has to make a decision on whether it's yes or no so this was kind of like that being the guide so yeah, that's Master Word. It's a pretty fun word party game, but there's a lot of word party games. So it's not my top five, but it but it's still pretty fun. Yeah, I've liked Master Word mm-hmm. the couple times that I've played it. I think it's pretty good, especially for the price point. It's a very reasonable price mm-hmm. point. Um, if you're looking for cooperative word games, I think it's still a good one. Mm-hmm. 
I recently got to play a game that had been on my radar for a little bit and I ended up buying it without knowing a whole lot about it. I had seen the name and the premise alone and this game is called Voices in My Head. It's mm. published by Unexpected Games, designed by Corey Knizia, who, if y'all are not familiar with that name, Corey has worked on endless amounts of titles of games, especially those put out by Fantasy Flight Games. You know, th little things like Twilight Imperium <laughs> and Forbidden Stars and Battlestar Galactica. So he's had a hand in a whole bunch of really big, epic mm -hmm. games, some of which have to do with space, interestingly enough. This game, though, is nothing like any of those, which I think is kind of one of the things that drew me to it. So in Voices in My Head, there is a guy named Guy who is on trial for robbing a bank. The players are all playing as different aspects of Guy's personality who are trying to influence his decisions. And then one player is playing as the prosecutor who is trying to send Guy to jail. During the course of the game, there is this physical representation of Guy's head on the middle of the table that is raised up with these little platforms around it. And they are different parts of his brain that the parts of his personality can influence. So his speech or things like that. And the way personalities influence those different sections of his brain are via tokens that have different values on them. But what's interesting is you might think, are all of his personality traits trying to work toward the same goal? And the answer is no. Everyone at the beginning of the game is given secretly a part of Guy's personality that tells them what they want the outcome of the trial to be based on what part of his personality it is. So if it's his wild side or his side that's ded you know dedicated to justice or things like that, that will influence what you as a player want to do during the course of the game and how you want the trial to go. The prosecutor will be drawing cards cards throughout the course of the game that advance the story, the other players are using that raised platform in the middle to add their control tokens and they physically push them via a dexterity mechanism onto the different sections of Guy's brain. And in turn, eventually knock off other players' tokens from those sections so they can gain control. Because whoever has the most value in tokens on a section of Guy's brain controls that section of his brain. So when parts of the trial come up, if that part of his brain is what's the one that's going to have to make the decision, the player who controls that section will ultimately get to make a decision based on the story point that happens at that part of the trial. There are a number of jurors that are on the board that get influence tokens throughout the course of the game often via those story beats that happen. And those tokens are three different types. Tokens that make the jurors think he's guilty, innocent, or undecided tokens that can have either guilty or innocent icons on their back, but on the top where players can see them, it looks ambiguous. So there are times during the game where you might get the opportunity to draw a number of the ambiguous looking tokens and put it onto one of the sets of jurors to influence their decision at the end of the trial, but the other players won't know what you put down. There are also ways to look at hidden tokens throughout the course of the game. It's a lot of manipulating little bits to try and gain influence over different parts of Guy's personality, and in the end, get the jury to decide whatever your card says. So in this game, there can be multiple winners. The prosecutor is always trying to get Guy convicted and have a majority of the jurors vote him guilty, but every other player may have different objectives. They may want the jury to be hung at the end and be tied. They may want only a certain 
certain number of jurors to vote guilty or innocent. There's a lot of different varieties in the roll cards that you get drawn at the beginning of the game, and it varies based on player count as well. This is a weird game, and I don't mean weird in a bad way. I bought it based on premise alone. Then I saw how the mechanisms worked, and I was like, this seems kind of odd. I don't know if I'm going to like this. And then we played it, and I liked it, but I was still kind of confused. It's so unique and feels so different from any other game in my collection, which, for the record, is a good thing. I like having games that don't feel like other games that I own. But this one, it is unique. There were times where I felt a little frustrated that it didn't seem like I could do as much as I wanted toward getting to my objectives individually. But it was really fun to push the tokens around and see the physical influence on Guy's brain throughout the course of the game. Mm -hmm. So I actually would recommend this, especially if you like unique or quirky themes and mechanisms in games. This truly, I can't liken it to anything else I've played before. So I would recommend it. I think it's fun. I don't think this is going to be, you know, a game of the year type of thing for me in particular, but it is a game that I feel like I could pull off the shelf if I wanted to show somebody a really cool and unique experience. So that is Voices in My Head from Unexpected Games. Oh, yeah. I remember hearing about this. The premise was very unique, but I didn't know much about the gameplay. And I just knew like there was some area control, but I didn't know about the dexterity part. I was like, whoa, that's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's interesting. And it can also be frustrating like any dexterity game can. (laughs) But that thematically feels appropriate right Mm -hmm. like parts of your personality are kind of pushing and pulling against one another in your brain and Mm -hmm. so it makes sense that you would try and like think us one way but maybe another part of your brain is just (laughs) going to shove that part out like it weirdly works thematically which i didn't necessarily (laughs) expect so one of the games i got to play at gen con is cat in the box it's designed by Miniyuki Yokochi. The deluxe edition that I played is published by Bezier Games and licensed by Hobby Japan. So this is a trick-taking game, but the cards you are dealt don't have colors. But there's four colors in the deck. So the idea of Cat in the Box is it works like Schrodinger's cat, right? You don't know if the cat is alive or dead. That's how the stick works. For this, you don't know the color of the card until you play it. So there is a board that has spots for every card in the deck, at least the four colors that are available. So red is considered to be Trump and the others are just regular suits. The trick of it is, is that you are dealt out 10 cards, but there's five copies of each number in the deck, but there's only four suits and you determine the color as you play it. You're determining the, the, the colors of your cards as you go. Yes, you are. Mm-hmm. And you have to play and you have to play a unique card because you keep track of all of that on a board. And that board's important, as I'll explain in a moment. So the round ends with one of two situations. If you can get through all eight tricks, then the round ends. But if someone can't play a card, you know, if I have a one and a four and all the ones have been played and all the fours have been played, I have now created a paradox Mm -hmm. and the round immediately ends. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So normally you get one point for trick. If you cause a paradox, it's negative one points for trick. In addition, there is a bidding mechanism for how many tricks you're going to take 
in the round. Mm. If you are successful, you get bonus points based off of how many of your markers are on the board that are connected together, the, the, the biggest amount. So there's a little bit of area majority kind of connection thing that's also going on for bonuses. It's absolutely fascinating. It plays two to five. So I've got to play it at two and four players. Two players was okay. It has a little bit of Fox in the Forest feel because instead of bidding on how many tricks you're going to take, it's the person who takes the least. But we were able to get through hands without having paradoxes. But when we played four players, we hit a paradox Every single hand. <laughs> oh my gosh. And it's very interesting on how how you're playing your hand because sometimes you want to play later. If you can cut in front of somebody else and play that one card before that other person does, it means they cause the paradox and not you. So oh, okay. the production on this is excellent. Your markers are plastic. They've got symbols on them, so colorblind friendly. The boards you get are dual layered, both for your player ones and the board itself for all the cards. You can flip over some of the cards that get slotted in. So instead of it being a simple one to eight grid, it has a sliding scale. So your areas change. You can make the areas change per game. But yeah, definitely recommend it. Good price point. Quite a bit of fun. It sold very well at Gen Con. They did very well. Lots of people played it. That's Cat in the Box, the deluxe edition by Bezier Games. Cool. You know I love unique trick takers, so now <laughs> that one's definitely going to be on my list. <laughs> yeah, I saw that on the Gen Con preview list, and it was added to my interested list, I think. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Gen Con, the primary reason Nick has joined us this evening is to talk about Gen Con. Ambie and I were not able to attend this year, but Nick got to see it live and in person and has some hot takes for us. I, I sure do. I'm very excited to hear your hot takes, Nick. So I'm just going to let you roll with it and we will mm -hmm. uh, we'll jump in where, it's, where it seems fit. Sure. So let's talk about another game first. The hottest take by far is Twilight Encryption. Encryption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so for those of you who don't know, there is a epic roll and write designed by Fantasy Flight Games. So the designers, uh, James Niffen, who actually did the teach, which was super great, but it is a one to eight player, two hour roll and write. Oh my God. Based on Twilight Imperium, right? So it's based in the Twilight Imperium <laughs> universe. Okay. Oh, you get okay. four different sheets you're writing on these are eight and a half by 11 laminated sheets that you are marking in colored liquid chalk oh my goodness this is not a dry erase this is not wet erase this is orange liquid chalk wow this looks excellent and it cleans up really well I mean, Nick has shown Ambie and I some pictures of what the boards look like. But yeah, they are definitely dark and they look epic. And I cannot believe each one is a full sheet of paper size. Like, so four <laughs> yeah, full sheets big. of paper to play this game for one player. Yeah. So there are four boards, which correspond to, I believe, four of the commands you could do in TI4. So there is a navigation option. There's an expansion option. There's a warfare option. And there's an industry option. On most turns, which 
they call strategy turns, you're going to be picking a board and doing stuff on it. There's going to be unique things on each card that correspond to one of three different symbols, which also have colors. So I'll just use red, green, and blue for this. And each board, you do different things with those red, green, and blue. And there's additionally dice that are rolled. So there's three shared dice that everybody's going to use. And then there's additional colored dice that you can unlock for each board. Those colored dice are going to be more likely to roll more of that particular symbol. The symbology on this thing is bananas. (laughs) There is an asset reference card that everybody gets that's double-sided. On the first side, you see 11 different symbols. Eight different symbols on the other side. Oh my goodness, that is a lot of symbology. (laughs) And that symbology crosses over to the different cards because you can unlock, say, for example, a red die. However, you can unlock it on the navigation card, but decide to actually unlock the ability on a different card. So there's this weirdness where it's like you're supposed to be working on all four boards, but figuring out what's actually worth doing is extremely difficult. Because there is so much going on here. And to make this like Twilight Imperium mask, there's event cards that show up. And sometimes you're going to have war. However, the warfare feels like seven wonders. And what, what I mean is, yes, because you are comparing the amount of dots you filled in on the left hot side of your board to the right side of your opponent. Whoever gets the most amount of dots gets the good thing, and the person who gets the least amount of dots gets negative one victory point. That is your warfare. For the record, that seems like an underwhelming warfare mechanic. I do want to specify, but that also (laughs) sounds appealing to me, who in Twilight Imperium hates having to fight people. (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. So it is very much not your Twilight Imperium-esque, get a bunch of warships, send them at Makatol Rex, and have epic wars. Also on exploration, there's relics. Those relics just come off the top of the deck. They're supposed to be really good, but you don't have no idea what you're getting. And you can get maximum two of them in the entire game. The one that my opponent pulled was super awesome for him. So he was able to counter a whole bunch of my three turns that I spent doing warfare with one relic card. Wow. He got lucky and got a good one, but he could have gotten, he could have had one thing unlocked and it would have been useless. There's also objectives. We didn't play with objectives because we were an hour into our teeth and it's like, we're going to have you play now. But by the way, this is Tyler Helium. Here's objectives. And we looked at them and went, oh, you get objectives for each board. What? <laughs> by your own personal estimation, who is this game for? That is a very interesting question <laughs> because I do not feel like this game is for someone who sits there and goes, Twilight Imperium 4 is my favorite game of all time because you are going to be play- you are going to play this and you are going to be sorely disappointed. That's what it be- sounds like to me. Because <laughs> does not sound <laughs> because this is the Twilight Imperium of Roll and Rights. This is not Twilight Imperium the Roll and Write. And that is the yeah, hot that's what take. It sounds like yeah. That okay. is the hot no, take. That- that's an important distinction. So the, the, this is the Twilight Imperium of Roll oh, and Write games. Rights. Yeah, so it's people who that, like Roll and Rights and want a long one. Because that's want, like, like yeah. I don't particularly like Roll and Rights because a lot of times, like I want more interaction in the games and stuff. And so I was thinking like a Twilight Imperium one would have maybe attacking and stuff or like, but doesn't sound like it. Wait, so how long did your game take? We played for 90 minutes before we decided to stop. 
I played with Roy Kennedy. Mm-hmm. I played with Steve Bonacore. So you've got two people who really like Twilight Imperium games, right? So they mm-hmm. both really, really liked it. I could tell that they, they really liked it. I'm not somebody who super enjoys Twilight Imperium 4. We, we, we have played it together, obviously. We did that at Dice mm-hmm. Tower East a handful of yeah. years ago. And that, mm-hmm. was a, and that was a wonderful time. Don't worry. I don't like Twilight Imperium either, even though I've had <laughs> some lovely experiences playing it. <laughs> right, right. So I can't say that those who don't love Twilight Imperium won't like this. Personally, for crunchy rolling rights, I would rather play something like Fleet the Dice Game or Three Sisters. Because those games are very combo-tastic, and they were like, oh, I get mm-hmm. to do this thing, which unlocks this thing, which lets me do this other thing, which lets me do another thing, and I have this big mm-hmm. turn, and it feels really good, and I feel really smart, and that's the part that I really like about a chunky roll and write, is that it lets me do a whole bunch of things on my turn. Here, it feels very slow. So I'm going to do a couple of things in the hope that my next turn I could do maybe one additional thing. So I feel like I'm going at a glacial pace. That's really interesting. Honestly, Fantasy Flight, they put out really good games generally. And I have to give them props for just how unique this one seems to be. But I'm I'm glad to hear your opinion on it since I have played Twilight Imperium with you before. So I kind of, I know how your sensibilities work. So yep. I will say I'm still curious. I would still be interested in playing this. I would love to try it. But I honestly, it's good for me to temper my expectations. I think TI4 had been built up too much in my head before I ever played it the first time. Mm-hmm. And I've played it a total of three times now. And it it didn't ever really get better for me. But yeah, I'm still curious about this one. Even even having heard your uh, your take, your hot take. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Enjoy that hour long teach for a roll and write. <laughs> So do you want to hear about Elizabeth Hargrave's new game? <gasps> yes, please. I'm so curious. Sure. So I got to play a prototype. And keep in mind, this is a prototype of the Fox Experiment. So this is Elizabeth Hargrave and Jeff Frazier. This is going to be published by Pandasaurus Game. There's going to be a Kickstarter. I believe it's specifically Kickstarter at the beginning of September. So about a month away. In this game, you are recreating to a degree an experiment that was done in Russia back in, I think, the 1910s about trying to raise foxes that are going to be domesticated. Mm -hmm. So they thought that certain physical traits of foxes would translate into the foxes being social. So in other words, instead of being aggressive, they would be curious is how they did it. So what you're doing is you are breeding foxes in the attempt to try to get those four traits. On your turn, what you do is you get to draft foxes. You have to draft a male fox, a female fox, and your turn order. So what you do is, is you those foxes will give you dice. Those dice have markers on them, and you're going to try to match up and to get full markers. Those markers actually go on laminated cards because you've bred new puppies. And those new puppies are going to provide you with new dice because those puppies are going to be drafted in the next round. And they're also going to give you the desirable traits and you get these markers. Now, if you get similar markers for the four, you're able to upgrade your board. So what this does is this allows you to customize how you're progressing, whether you want to work on more experiments, whether you want to breed more puppies, whether you want to have always more more puppies, more puppies, always. I I completely agree with more fox puppies. (laughs) Yay, that, that, that's, puppies. That's, that, that's, that's definitely what I did. 
And each round, you will look at the puppy that has the most desirable traits, and that person gets endgame scoring points, and everybody else gets some tokens that they can use to fill in the wilds. So you do this for five rounds. Now, you're going to be able to take other people's puppies or your own puppies and breed them together for even stronger puppies. So this one's interesting. It's got some rough edges to it. I felt like the experiment cards weren't completely balanced. So that might be the kind of stuff that they're going to be working on in the interim between now and when the game releases. Right. And that's why I wanted to emphasize that this is a prototype. Uh, things Things are likely to be changed. So please take that with a grain of salt. I didn't realize how excellent those science cards were. I didn't have any of them. And I saw other people getting puppies that were so much better than mine. In addition, the generic puppies, not all of them have like the same amount of dice. And when you're drafting, especially in that first round, if there's one puppy and that's on your track and you don't get that die, the chances of you getting that as a whole is next to nothing. So that felt like I felt like the puppies all needed to have the same number of dice to feel fair. With that said, the breeding of the puppies and the rolling of the dice and putting together the stuff was all fun. And once I got an additional experiment card that I felt I could work on, that was also fun. I wish I just had done the science cards a little earlier. Okay, so are we are we getting to the hot take about it? Do we have a hot take? Yeah, so, so the hot take of this is that I still don't know if I want to back this. Okay. Like I think that's okay. I, I like Elizabeth Hargrave's like other works but i feel like i need to see something a little more i felt behind and there is no catch-up mechanism so it's like my early draft was lousy and that impacted the rest of my game and for a game that's supposed to be this light something needs to be fixed with that as well the 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 bonuses you got for not getting first were not good enough okay well i've got a lot of games from pandasaurus on my shelf and I'd say the end product of most of their games is usually pretty good. So my guess is they're going to do a little bit more work on it and it'll probably turn out pretty great. But honestly, I just love the fact that Elizabeth Hargrave's games often tend to have this historical feel where she takes real things from the world and turns them into a game. Like Mariposa's, mm-hmm. you know, you've got the butterfly migration, Tussie Mussy, you know, this old tradition of giving flowers to convey different things. So so this does seem like it fits in that niche for her. And I'm sure a lot of people will be curious to check it out after it hits Kickstarter. Yeah, I like the theme. And then you guys just saying puppies a bunch. Of- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> That's all you have to do on the Kickstarter like, is just be like, you get to breed fox puppies and everybody will just click the button. <laughs> you also get to name them. <gasps> yeah, I get like, to oh. name them? <laughs> yes, you get to name your puppies. I'm going to buy this game, aren't I? I'm probably you gonna are. You're, you're backing you this. Need. You're going to back this. I understand. All right, Nick. I've been fascinated to hear your information about some of these wonderful games that you saw at Gen Con. But we are running out of time. This is a short podcast. I want to hear some more hot takes, but we're going to do it lightning round style. So we're going to kick things up a notch and I'm going to let you kind of go wild. You were at Gen Con this weekend. Takes about the con or the games you saw or the events you attended. Anything else you want to share with us about your Gen Con experience? Sure. All right. So one more game real quick. The New Days of Wonder game, Heat. It's a racing game and it's a mini deck builder. Days of Wonder is back. This game is excellent. You're going to want to get this when it comes out in October. Okay. Okay. CGE did a charity event on Saturday night for the Spielathon. Props to CGE. 
There were so many cool people there. I got to meet a lot of cool people. Props to CGE for that. I love CGE. They are such a wonderful company. I got to talk to a whole bunch of BIPOC creators. The BIPOC Lounge was a giant success. Oh, that's amazing. So I, I did not go in myself because I'm like, I'm not going to invite myself. I'm white. If they would have, if somebody would have said, hey, come in, I would have gone. But from what I heard talking to them, they said it was excellent. That is awesome. I'm so happy that Gen Con has that space for people to collaborate and connect with one another. It is a really neat thing. Yeah. Props to Rose Gauntlet for sponsoring that area. They're the ones who sponsored it. Awesome. Rose Gauntlet, also a super great company. Yep. Let's get some problems. We need to talk about some problems real quick. All right. When I got my Vax wristband, it took me 50 minutes to get it. They wrapped, it was, The line was entirely around the convention center. Wow. And wow. then I went and looked at the will call line and immediately left because that was not even moving. And that was going down an entire hallway. Oh my gosh. Good grief. Yeah, it does seem like attendance was high for a convention that's happening still kind of in the midst of a global pandemic. Right. So the estimated attendance was about 55,000, which is very similar to normal Gen Con size. Yeah. So I felt like it was like 80, 85% of what, say, like 2019 size was. And it felt like it. And Saturday, it smelt like it. Oh, no. Uh huh. Saturday, y'all need to go and take your showers and refresh your deodorant because it was bad. It I was hate that bad. stereotype about gamers, but I have I have been to some cons where you could tell people were mm-hmm. not taking care of themselves in the best way they could. No, and there were a lot of people who are sitting at the outside of the areas with their masks off, and it's you're just walking by going, if you wanted to take your mask off. Outside is literally the window. I can see it for where I'm looking. Go outside. Generally, though, were, were people in the convention halls mostly okay with uh, restrained masks? So I would say that masking overall was good. It was better than my PAX experience. Okay. So my PAX experience was good. This was slightly better. So from that perspective, I felt like people were mostly taking it seriously. Inside the convention halls, inside of the actual halls, things were good. Whomever did the layout for the exhibition hall, I don't know what you're thinking of because (laughs) it felt like it was feast or famine. You had a couple of booths that you did not know existed. So I literally had to walk the far back of the convention hall to find six booths that I didn't know existed. You could only see them from the back. Why is your floor plan like this? I felt bad for those booths where you just couldn't see them from the sides. Yeah, that could be a real bummer if people aren't aware that a booth is there. Because not everybody's going to look at the map and be like, oh, there's booths back there. They're just going to wander the hall. Right. And and there were clearly stuff that, that I missed and I had to walk by it. Whoever did that, they, they really need to fix it. It was done poorly. Like I said, I feel bad for the companies that had poor things because from what I heard, sales were very good. I talked to Elk Creek Games in particular because I knew a couple people who were working there and they said that they actually went overnight back to their office in Illinois and picked up more stuff Friday oh, wow. night because wow. they had nearly sold out Friday night of the stuff they wow. spent for the entire weekend. Oh my goodness. So if you got foot traffic, you got sales. I imagine there were a lot of gamers who haven't been to a con yet since the pandemic started. And so, and I will say, I've I've mentioned this on the show before, but Gen Con 
it, it, it feels different than other conventions in ways that are, it's hard to put into words for me. But like, I felt that retail, that pull to buy things more so at Gen Con than I typically do at other conventions. And I'm not quite sure why that is, but like, I felt like I desperately needed certain games. And that isn't usually the case for me at conventions. I mean, in general, y'all know I buy board games, but (laughs) Gen Con has this kind of, I think it's that early morning, it's the rush, it's the the lines at the booze, it's the, oh, this is that thing that everybody's getting. And you just, you feel that, oh my gosh, I want to get this thing too. It's, you know, that peer pressure it gets to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, Gen Con is more focused on like the exhibition hall and stuff like the yeah the people selling stuff. Whereas the other conventions that I like going to are more focused on like the game playing and the open gaming. Yes. And those are the conventions that I yeah. like and prefer yeah. as well. Gen Con <laughs> was not my favorite, but it was a cool experience to have for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Any final thoughts about your Gen Con weekend, Nick? Sure. So I definitely felt like this year's Gen Con for me was much more about the people than it was about the Mm -hmm. games. Because so many of these people I haven't seen in a handful of years. I got to see Dave Luza for the first time in like five years. I got to meet Ilka and Bo for the first time. Oh my gosh. I'm so jealous. I haven't gotten to meet the two of them. And they were were wonderful. I got to see people I'd seen this year. So I got to see Paula again. I got to see the Brothers Murph again. So for me, I luckily was able to see everybody I wanted to see at at Gen Con. Mm -hmm. So even though, you know, I picked up games and I played some games with people, it was still about the people. And I feel like kind of moving forward, it's still going to be about the people moving forward Mm -hmm. if I go to Gen Con again. And I don't know if I'll go next year. The bill that passed in the Indiana legislature, not acceptable. Yeah, no, not okay at all. And Gen Con did make a statement on their social media pages, basically saying that they do not agree with the laws that are being passed in Indiana right now. And that is all well and good. But at the end of the day, convention organizers, not just Gen Con, but people who run board game events all across the United States need to be aware of the potential risk and harm that states are doing by passing certain laws. And they need to decide with their dollars whether they want to support those states or not. So I am hopeful that good things will come in that regard on all fronts. And I was appreciative that they did put out a statement, but you know, a statement is one step. There are other things that they can do. And obviously there are contracts that have to be completed and things like that too. Mm -hmm. But um, no, that's a good point to make. So thank you so much, Nick, for joining us and sharing all of your exciting information about your Gen Con experience since Ambie and I weren't able to be there. Hopefully our listeners enjoyed hearing about some of the games you got to play. If our listeners would like to hear more from you, where can they find you on the internet? So the best way to reach me is going to be on Twitter. My Twitter account is Nyobari, which is N-Y-O-B-A-R-I. I don't really stream much on Twitch, so if I'm there, congratulations, you found me there. But Twitter's going to be the best way to get hell to me. <laughs> awesome. And yeah, you've been uh, our friend, friend of the show and of us individually for many, many years now. And it has been an absolute delight having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us, Nick. Yeah, you're welcome. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, BoardGameBlitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. Coming to a crowdfunding platform later this year is a two-to-six player car drafting and engine building game about surviving the apocalypse. Prepare yourself for profits of doom. And don't forget, Whipsketeers get 20% off non-exclusive items at greyfoxgames.com by using the code GFGBLITZ2022 at checkout. 
Join the Blitzkrieg here community for online game nights, game discussions, and more by following the link in the show notes to join our Discord. Help others discover the show by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. And you can support our work directly for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash boardgameblitz. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Marlow. Technical support provided by Toby Mal. Until next time, what a feeling. <laughs> Morning or evening. I have seen it all. Now I'm gaming all my life. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Hey. episode 160 okay i already just bit on my tongue a little so i'm just gonna start that over it wasn't like a hard bite but i just oh, kind of okay. so not yeah. like an ouch it, okay. yeah no i'm fine i just okay. like blah, 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 blah. <laughs> okay recently i got a new game called master word and i also played it <laughs> that would okay, be a great a great off. recently played section if you were like recently i acquired a game and then it sat on my shelf the end that sounds like most of mine though i know me too for the record i have a lot of new games that i haven't played yet yeah okay i'm gonna start over okay. <laughs> takes about the con or games or people not people that oh god <laughs> <laughs>